Well, good morning. I hope you all are doing well. For those of you that don't know, my name is Brent, and I have the privilege of serving as a part of our team staff here at the PBCC family. And so it's my privilege to be able to be with you this morning and share um, a little bit from God's Word about some wisdom for our lives as we attempt to make life work. Um, I'm in a fantasy football league, and um, it's a Yahoo league, and I don't know if anybody saw this story earlier this week or not. It kind of blew up Facebook, and the only reason I stumbled upon it, I don't, I don't typically use Yahoo as my news source. Um, I typically use a news agency to provide news. But what happens is, is when you log in and you do everything you need to do on Yahoo and you log out, it opens you up on their, on their front page on yahoo.com, and usually they have the news stories of the day or whatever it was. So I had gone in, and I had set my lineup, and I had gotten everything ready, and I logged out, and it came up on the front page of Yahoo.com, and there was a story about a 78-year-old grandmother in Oklahoma. Did anybody read this story? Anybody hear about it? Just a, nobody did? It, okay, here's the deal. Is she's 78 years old, and there's video footage of her getting into a 2013 Fiat. Now, the trouble was is that this woman had been panhandling and asking people for money. And one of the guys who had given her money earlier in the week saw her getting into this car, and he just unloaded on her. I mean, he just went berserko and said all this stuff about, you know, I gave you my lunch. I went without lunch earlier this week. I had $4 left, and I gave it to you. And you're driving a nicer car than I am. I, nobody else saw this? Okay, so a few of you did. Okay, you were like, what story is I'm not going to admit to seeing it until. Okay, so now you know. So anyway. Have you, ever, have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had that thought, that feeling, you know, when you see uh, somebody that might be called a panhandler and they're out there and you don't give money because you wonder in the back of your mind, I wonder if they drive a car nicer than mine. I wonder, you know, I wonder if this is just a scam or I wonder if they're just running a show on me or what is it. Anybody ever here feel that way? You know what I'm talking about, right? When I, when I, when I talk about panhandlers, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe we have some pictures. Guillermo, can you put some pictures up there? You know the people that stand on the intersections and they, and they have signs out there and some of them are really heartfelt and emotional like the, the ones on the right. You know, all homeless people aren't the same. Don't all ask um, aggressively anything helps. Somebody that's really asking for help in the upper right-hand corner. Here's a woman who just wants to see her family and all she needs is bus fare. But then you also have people who are a little more honest on the left, right? It says, it says no lies, it's for beer, Right? They have that sign up there, or um, no cash, no problem, now accept all major credit cards. Right? Or how about this next one that's up there? Have you ever seen anything like this? You know, people try to be funny to get your attention, to kind of get you to get in and say, you know what, I'm going to be sentimental, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to connect, and I'm going I'm to choose to emotionally do this as people get in. Um, but do you ever have a hard time just kind of just being willing to give. Just out of curiosity, and this is, I want you guys to give me some feedback. When you see panhandlers, when you pull up to an intersection, when you get on an off-ramp or wherever it may be, and, you, and there's a lot of different places you can go in Palm Beach County and see panhandlers that are out and about, what's your reaction when you see them? There but by the grace of God go I, okay? What else? You give them water, okay? What else? You, your, your thought is, get a job, okay? What's that? Okay, you buy them lunch or give them food, all right. What else? What are some other reactions? Nothing? You don't react at all? Okay. 
you avoid eye contact, okay? That's what I do. Especially when I first moved down here, right? And I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not supposed to say this out loud. But anyway, so when I first moved down here, th- this was new to me. It was, a different, it was a different idea. Not to say that there's not, you know, um, poverty where I come from, but it just, it was different. It wasn't as prevalent. And so, you know, not only did I, did, not only did I just lock forward and not look, but I made sure the windows up and the doors were locked. Am I the only one? Okay, just want to make sure. Just don't, don't all be too self-righteous here today. So, um, what else? What are some other reactions? It's a scam. You're afraid it's a scam. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's scared and you've got kids and sure, absolutely. Good. What else? Okay, so you see the same people over and over and over again and you start to wonder, how come you haven't done anything? Okay, good. Very good. Very good. Have, has anybody seen these signs around town, around the community? It's okay to say no to panhandlers, just say no, you know. Used to be just say no to drugs, but now I guess you say no to panhandlers, you say no to whatever else. It, the, when you see this sign, do you feel differently? Like have, and, and there's one right outside the Palm Beach Kennel Club by the airport. There's one at, um, at Belvedere and... Um, Congress, yeah, Belvedere and Congress there. there. There's usually someone standing right under one of those signs. I mean, he's standing there, right there, just, you know, he's just standing right under that sign. But when you see that sign, do you feel a little justified to not do anything? Do you feel in your mind, it's okay, I'm, it's okay to say no? You feel a little more comfortable kind of saying, look, I'm just following what they recommend to do. And then when you're driving along and the speed limit says something and you're going above it, do you feel not as comfortable with that sign? Just that's a different, different subject, different issue. But, but just out of curiosity, what emotions are invoked when you see somebody? Question for you about this. You ever see those commercials, you know, that Sally Struthers, not Sally Struthers, um, the lady from um, All in the Family. Is it Sally Struthers? She used to get on, you know, and they have the, the kids from, from a different part of the world. And, and do you ever just change the channel because just, it just makes you uncomfortable to watch the commercial, Right? You know, it's not that you don't care. It's just like, I'm not going to have my conscience provoked, so I'm going to change the channel instead. Um, Why do we react that way? Why do we turn, why do we have a tendency to turn that type of thing off? And when it's closer to home, or maybe it's somebody you know and somebody you personally can relate to, you're a little more emotional. Or maybe when it's just absolutely overwhelming, you know, we, we tend to have a little bit more compassion. You know, I've had the privilege of being able to be in different places around the world. I, you know, I've been to the Dominican Republic where when you go there, it's kind of like some of the homes along the side of the road are just three walls and maybe a tarp over the top and conditions that we would say are absolutely unlivable, but you have entire families living in homes like that. Or, you know, I've been in Cuba where there's, where there's lines, lines of people standing at the bread truck and at and, and, and lines of people at the store to pick up bags of rice. And if you don't get there early enough, you just don't get it for the day. And, and I've been to places around the world where you just look and you see abject poverty and you think to yourself, I've got to do something. But you don't even have to go very far. I've been, I've been at a, um, a medical facility that provides medical services to those who are uninsured. I've been a part of the intake process and talking to people and interviewing people. And you just you, you sense that burden. You know that they're hurting. You know that they're suffering. You know that they're in pain, and, and you just wish you could do something for them. They're, they're not proud of it. They're embarrassed by it, but it's just a reality of, of where they find themselves. 
You also, um, you know, having the opportunity to serve at a soup kitchen or a meal, and you're providing somebody with a hot meal, and you know, you know there are some people there who, you know, I'm not lying to you. They're going through the line talking on their cell phone, and you think this just doesn't make any sense to me. But then there's other people that you look at, and you know this is the only hot meal they're going to get all week long. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the poor. I mean, I'm moved a lot of times with compassion when I, when I go to hospitals to visit people and to see people. Is there anything more heartbreaking than to see a child in a hospital bed? You, just, you know, you walk by and a lot of times the doors are open and you just kind of look in and you think, oh my goodness, I don't know how I would deal with that. I don't know how I would handle that. And just as sad is, is somebody who's in a hospital room and you know they haven't had any visitors They haven't had any family come by. There's been nobody at their side to encourage them to get through it. How heartbreaking is that? We can show compassion in different ways, and different things move us to feel compassion on others. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about how to cultivate compassion. As we go through the book of Proverbs, and as we study the words of Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, He gives us words about what it means to take care of those who need it. And what's interesting about Solomon, especially in the context of demonstrating compassion to those who need it, Solomon wasn't just the wisest man, but when he was alive, he was the richest man in the world. And the wealthiest man in the world gives us some guidelines on how we can demonstrate compassion towards other people. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning and look at. This morning, I want you to help me as we go through a lot of different things and talk about a little different things. But before we really get too much further, I think we need to define some terms. And we need to look at a couple things. The first term I want to define this morning is the word poor. Poor. Literally translated, it means lowly. In the Old Testament, especially in the book of Proverbs, you're going to see the word poor and poor and poor. You're going to see it time and time again. And sometimes it means financially, but its literal translation is is lowly. In fact, if you think about a door and how a door has a kick plate at the bottom, the bottom part of a door would be used the same way we use the word poor or lowly. It's the low part of the door. It's the exact same word. So when we talk about those who are poor or those who are lowly, we're talking about somebody that is poor financially. But it could also be somebody who's poor emotionally or mentally or somebody relationally or, or even job-wise. They're, they're poor because they're lowly. We could be talking about somebody in their social status or we could be talking about spiritually being poor. And the Old Testament uses this word and it means lowly. So today we're going to be talking about anybody who fits in the category of lowly. Maybe you're finding yourself in that category Maybe some of the things that we've talked about, you would say, yes, I'm poor myself. But it's important to know as we talk about the lowly and the poor that God is a defender of the poor. In Proverbs 14, 31, Solomon says this. He says, those who oppresses the poor insult their maker, but the poor honors him. So when you look at this, you you start to wonder, why is God so, such a big defender of the poor? Why is God so interested in the lowly? Because that verse tells us the, that person, the poor, is made in the image of God. Just like the richest of the rich, just like the wealthiest of the wealthy, just like the one who has relationships galore, just like the person who seems to have it all is made in the image of God, so is the lowest of the low. 
We're all made in the image of God. And because of that, God has a special place in his heart for those who are poor. But not just because they're made in the image of God, but think about God himself. Jesus Christ, as God, as the Son of God, sitting on a throne in heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, everything under his dominion and under his power, and yet he chooses to leave all that, to come to earth, to be born in a barn, in a borrowed room, placed in a feed box. It doesn't get much more lowly than that. Paul says that Jesus emptied himself of all these things to become like a slave. You see, God can identify with the poor because he has made himself to be lowly in the life of Jesus. So the poor is somebody, something, some group of people who is very, very close to the heart of God. The second term we want to identify this morning and kind of define is the word compassion. Compassion. To have compassion means to love, to pity. It could mean to be merciful. In the New Testament, the idea is actually that the bowels are yearning, the, the gut moves, and, and it used to think that all emotion used to be held in the gut and in the stomach, and that all of your thoughts and all of your feelings would come from your stomach. And so the mental picture was is that you would be moved to action based on, you know, this kind of this gut feeling stirring that you have. And that's what it was to, ha- to have compassion, is you just get stirred up and moved to do something. It can mean to suffer with, to suffer alongside. And so when you think about this, we're talking about being stirred up, being moved, having something inside of you that's driving you to action towards those who are lowly, towards those who are poor. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about having compassion on those who are poor. So this morning what I want to do is I want to, excuse me, I want to go through and kind of develop a list of pros and cons. You know, when you make a major life change, whether it's, you know, getting a new job or you're thinking about whether I should take this job or not, should I move here or move there? Or maybe if you're, you know, if you're a student, you're thinking about making a college choice, you want to say, okay, what are, the, what are the things about this choice or whatever it may be? Sometimes you make a list of pros and cons. Anybody here ever do that? You know, pros and cons, you know, should I marry them? Here are the pros, here are the cons. I don't know, it's a toss-up. But whatever it may be, sometimes we make a list of pros and cons, and, 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 and we don't necessarily rely 100% on that list and say, well, whichever one wins, if it's 9 to 8, then 9 is clearly going to win. But it does have some influence. I mean, if you come up with one list that's going to be like 22 on the pros and 0 on the cons, you aren't going to sit back and go, I'm still not sure that this is the right thing. Or on the opposite, if 22 cons and 0 pros, you're going to go, oh, yeah, man, this is a no-brainer. I'm going to do this. We do take these lists and we evaluate them, right? We look at them. So this morning what I want to do is I want to take a, a, a list of pros and cons. The pros, what are the good things? What are the positive things that come as a result of being compassionate? And then I want to look at some of the cons. What are the negative things if we aren't compassionate? If we don't demonstrate compassion to the lowly, what can our life look like? Or what can happen as a result? And Solomon gives us a lot of wisdoms in a lot of different places and and verses that we can go back and look at and say, here are the pros and here are the cons. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a verse, then I'm going to ask you, what are the pros and what are the cons? And we're going to try to build this list together. The first verse we have is in Proverbs chapter 11. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 17. And notice what it says. It says, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. 
All right, so what's the positive of being kind? You get rewarded, right? Okay, that, that seems pretty simple. What's the negative? Destruction, right? You get destroyed. All right, so go ahead and start filling out your table there as we put it up there. The positive of being compassionate is that you get rewarded. The con is you get destroyed if you're not compassionate. So I don't know that we would have to go much further, but how many people here just want to get destroyed every single day? Yeah, not a lot of people, right? You don't wake up in the morning and say, man, I hope I just experienced destruction to its fullest. We want to be rewarded. We want to have positive things. We want to be excited. We don't want to be, you know, just crushed. But notice what it says. If you're compassionate, you're rewarded. If you're cruel, you'll be crushed. A few verses later in verse 24, what does Solomon say? He says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Hmm. So what's the positive here? If, you, if you're kind and if you're compassionate and you're, you're giving to the poor, what happens? What's that? Right, you become more wealthy. But if you're stingy and you don't give to those in need, what happens? You lose everything. You lose everything. It's interesting that sometimes we think, I can't afford to do this right now because it's my last blank dollars. I can't afford to do this right now because I really need to hold it on. Things are tight. And we think we can't do something because we're going to lose it. But Solomon says the opposite. He goes, look, if you hold on to it, then you'll lose it. But if you give it away, you become more wealthy. Now understand, Solomon is not endorsing a get-rich-quick scheme. He's not saying the next panhandlers you see, give them a $100 bill because later in that day you're going to get $1,000 back. It's not how it works. But what he's talking about is our common thinking is wrong. And we need to learn to be more compassionate. Look at Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verses 20 through 21. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. So what's the positive here? If you help the poor, you're blessed, right? You want to have a blessed life? You want to be blessed? You want to have God's stamp of approval on your life? You want to have God's favor in your life? You want to be blessed? Here's one way to be blessed. Give to the poor. What's the negative? What's the con? If you don't, if you instead, instead of helping the poor, but you actually belittle them, if you don't give value to them, if you don't help them, what happens? You're called a what? A sinner. Wait a minute, what? what? I didn't do it. I didn't put them in that state. I didn't, I didn't create this condition for them. Why is it my responsibility to help them? Solomon says if you belittle them and you don't help them and you don't extend compassion to them, you're just like a sinner. What else does he say in Proverbs 14? We read it a little bit ago in verse 31. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. So if you help the poor, what's the positive that can happen? You get honored, right? God honors you. But if you don't help the poor, what happens? You're, you're doing what? You're insulting God. Okay? Now, just for whatever it's worth, and this is my personal opinion, I have nothing to back this up. This has not been some empirical study that's been done, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that insulting God is probably not a positive thing. All right? Like, you insult the guy that cuts you off in traffic, eh, I'm not going to condone it, but comparison, not as bad as insulting God. 
you insult your boss. Still worse than the guy in traffic, but not as important as God. If you oppress the poor, you're insulting God. If you keep the poor down, you are insulting God. That's a pretty dangerous place to go. But the flip side is, is if you help them, you're honoring God. What does is, what is Solomon say in Psalm 19, or in Proverbs 19? Proverbs 19, verse 17. He says, if you help the poor, you are lending to God, and he will repay you. So there's not necessarily a negative attached to this verse, but what's the positive here? If you help the poor, what's the positive? God will help you. God will repay you. You're lending to God, and he will repay you. You see, it's not just the idea of, of nothing ever coming back. It's about God seeing what you're doing so that God will repay you. You look a little further down, and you look at, at Proverbs chapter 22. In verse 9, Solomon writes these words, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. So if you feed the poor and you're generous, what happens to you? Blessing. Kind of, you're starting to see a recurring theme here, right? You're starting to see how this plays out. And what we think of, oh, it's just throwing money away, or, oh, I need to hold on to it more tightly, or, oh, they, I, I need it just as badly as, as someone else. You see where that's not the way that God looks at this. If you read down a few verses in Proverbs 22, in verse 16, it says, A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor by showering, by oppressing the poor, or by showering gifts, on the rich will end in poverty. So what's the negative? There's not really a positive for us to pull out of this verse, but what's the negative here? If you oppress the poor, if you don't help those who need help, what happens? You end in poverty. You end up a lot worse than you started. You say, is that a financial backing? Is that, can you prove this? Can you show this? The wisest man who ever lived said it. Under the inspiration of God and the Holy Spirit wrote these words that if you withhold or if you oppress or if you keep them down, you will lose what you have. He goes even further in verses 22 and 23. He says, don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. If you keep the poor down, and I would argue that by keeping them down and oppressing them, one of the ways we oppress the poor is by not lifting them up and helping them. One of the things we do is to, 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 to ridicule them and, and we take them in the court of public opinion, whatever it may be. And God says there's a negative attached to it. And what is that negative? You get ruined. You end up ruined. Not built up, not encouraged, not restored, but you end up ruined. One other verse we're going to look at, and Solomon says a lot throughout the Proverbs, but one other thing we're going to look at is chapter 28, verse 27. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. So what's the positive? Right? And the negative is you're cursed. Man, doesn't that sound harsh? I mean, I don't know about you, but compassion is, is, is something that, that, that's not necessarily natural for me. 
You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am that guy that checks the windows and the doors and looks straight ahead. I am the one that doesn't necessarily connect. My wife, on the other hand, man, she's a, she is an angel. She would give the guy the keys to the car and say, just take it for a few days. I mean, she's just different than I. And so it, 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 it's a challenge for me to, to, to do these things. But when I look at this list, and if we can keep this list up there, it, I'm, look at that. It's not even, is it really a debate? I mean, if you, had, if you put together a pro and con list of moving or a pro and con list of, of this relationship or a pro and con list of taking this job, if it were that lopsided, you wouldn't even think about it. You would say, why, why, why am I even debating this? Why is this even an issue in my mind? If I knew that by being compassionate, all these things would be good in my life, but if I'm not compassionate, all those bad things could potentially happen in my life, what's the hesitation? Why do I struggle with this so much? Why? I don't know the why behind it. I just know I need to keep working on it. I guess if I were to really answer the question as to why, I know it's because I'm prideful and selfish and focused on me. But I just know I need to work on it and get better with it and continue to see things as Jesus would see things. So let's look at how Jesus saw things. Let's look at the example of Christ and what he would have us to learn as it relates to showing compassion. In the gospel according to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 9, and I think the verses are going to be up on the screen. They may be on your outline there. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Just some observations as you look at this. Here is God himself walking through, holy, perfect, without any kind of blemish at all. And yet he's reaching out and extending a hand to those who are sick, those who are ill, those who are weak, those who are broken. He's going along, doing his ministry, and stopping to spend time and to love the unlovely, to touch the untouchable, to take time and to be with the poor. And as you think about this, you wonder, how can he do this? What is this? It tells us he was moved with compassion. You see, we talked about that stirring and that moving and that inner feeling. Jesus was so moved with compassion that he acted on it, that he moved out and did something about it. You think, well, he's God. Yeah, well, he was, but it was also fully man and struggled with all the things we struggle with and wondering all the things that we wonder but he was moved with compassion. Another observation, not only was he moved with compassion, but he had an expectation. And his expectation was this, is that his disciples would follow his example. You see, in the midst of doing all these things, he pulls his disciples together and he says, look guys, I, I don't know if you get what's going on here, but there's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of poor people. There's a lot of people who are lowly in this world. And I can't, I, I just, I can't get to all of them. 
As much as I want, as hard as I, I try, I just, I, I can't do this. Look out. Look at all the people. Look at all their needs. I can't do it all by myself. So pray. Pray that God will raise up people to do this. Knowing in the back of his mind, he expected his disciples to do it. You think they got the message? You think when they were there and they saw Jesus doing all these things, do you think they got the message? Well, notice what James writes. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was there and heard Jesus give this conversation and saw Jesus do these things. Look at what he says. He says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? What good does it do to come across the person who needs a meal and you look at him and say, God bless you, and then you turn around and leave when it's in your power to do something about it? What about that person who um, is, you know, in, in the three days that it's cold here in Palm Beach County, you see that person who's cold and shivering and, and you've got more layers and you know what to do with and you look at him and say, man, God loves you and go on your way. What good does that do that person? That statement plus whatever keeps them in the same state. What good does it do to, to say these things and to pass on these platitudes but then not actually do anything about it? James is asking the question. Our faith demands action. 